Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I hate that. He said I want to live. Your own advantage. <laughs> away from your father's house and all that you're accustomed to, to the land that I will show you. Do you know that sometimes God will require you to get away from some people that are poisoning your life? I mean, honestly, some people could just change their whole walk with God by just getting a new set of friends. I mean, really and truly. The people that we are around really affect us. I believe that everybody has some kind of an anointing on them, either a good one or a not-so-good one. And I do believe that we soak up and become like what we're around. Amen? So you need to have some good influence in your life. And, you know, a lot of people send in questions. Well, what if I'm in a situation where, you know, I'm around somebody that I can't get away from that's negative and, and, you know, a wicked person, what do I do? I said, then spend as much time as you possibly can with people that are good to offset that and do a lot of praying because God can protect you right in the middle of a difficult situation. Can you imagine that? Leave everything that you're familiar with. And God did that because he was living in the midst of idol worship. And he called him to come out of there and he said, and go to the place that I will show you. God didn't show him before he took that step of faith to go. And I like to really press that point about that step of faith. You know, the Jordan River didn't part until the priest put his foot in it. You know, and a lot of times we want to stand back and wait till there's a blueprint for everything that's going to happen. And God wants you to take that first step of faith and see what he does. And then take another step of faith and see what he does. And then take another step of faith and see what he does. That's how I got from where I was to where I am. I didn't start here on this platform. I taught home Bible studies for five years and had 25 people. And I was faithful to 25 people. I had quit a full-time job making good money to prepare for this ministry that I thought that God was going to use me in because I didn't really know the Bible and I couldn't take off to Bible school. So I studied on my own and the Holy Spirit taught me and qualified me to do what I'm doing. I may not have a lot of fancy degrees, but I have applied the Word of God to my life and I can tell you and shout it from the highest rooftop that the Word works in our lives. And then I did nothing for a year, and during that year, because I thought God said, I want you to lay these Bible studies down, behold, I do a new thing. And, you know, we get excited, behold, I do a new thing. He didn't bother to tell me what it was, but for a year I did nothing. And that was a testing year for me to purify my vision, to see if I'd hang on to it. And during that year, I wasn't doing anything, but God was doing something in me. Did you hear what I said? I said, during that year, I wasn't doing anything, but God was doing something in me, getting me ready for the next thing that he wanted to do through me. God's got to do something to you before he can do something through you. Amen? 
And believe me, when God is trying to stretch us, we don't get all rainbow days. <laughs> Amen. Well, so here Abram gets this great promise. Let's just look at it again. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to bless you with an abundant increase of favor. I'm going to make your name famous and distinguished. Everybody, Abram's going to know your name. Just so many wonderful promises. But Abram was 75 when God said this to him. <laughs> and he was 99. <laughs> yes, that's 24 years when the fullness of the promise came to pass. A delay is not a denial. Amen? And it's really all over the Bible. David was anointed to be king 20 years before he wore the crown. We'll go over some of those things tonight. But let me tell you something. If you don't want to be patient, if you're not in for the long haul, you might as well not even get started with God. Because he changes us Little by little, from glory to glory. And listen to me, we need to learn to celebrate the progress we've had and stop moaning about what's still left to be done. You may not be where you need to be, but you can thank God tonight you're not where you used to be. I don't know where you would have been before on Friday night, but it wouldn't have been in here. And don't go looking at your watch when it gets to be around 9 o'clock because you didn't even go out till 9 o'clock when you went to those other places you used to go to. And you didn't care what time it got over either. Amen? So you got to be in for the long haul if you're going to go with God. Be a little bit patient. So that's the promise in chapter 12. But then we have some interesting things that happen because right away in chapter 12, verse 9, they get a famine. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> then in chapter 13, they get strife. He has strife between him and Lot. And so, long story short, Abram ended up letting Lot choose which part of the Jordan Valley he wanted. And sure enough, Lot took the best part and left Abraham with the leftovers. So Abraham had to start over, and God said, go up to the mountain, look to the north, south, east, and west. Whatever you can see, I'll give it to you. I love that. You know, nobody can really take anything away from you if you keep hanging out with God. He'll just use your sacrifice and give you more. Especially if you keep a good attitude. Chapter 14, he was in a war. <laughs> chapter 15, he was in some other kind of mess. So in chapter 15, verse 13, God told him, Oh, by the way, your descendants are going to be slaves for 400 years. Oh, goody. <laughs> chapter 16 was not a good deal either because that's when Sarah got the bright idea to give her handmaiden to Abram to be his secondary wife. And come on, any, I mean, we don't even have to preach on that. That's, that's not even worth talking about. I mean, that caused a big mess. And the handmaiden then was yinging at Sarah, and then she got mad at Abram and said, this is your fault. And he said, I didn't do it, it's your fault. And 
on and on and on. And then we finally get to chapter 17, 24 years later. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah. No rainbows yet. I'm sure by now he's thinking, okay, God, I heard about that rainbow Noah got. I'm, I'm up for a rainbow. I've been faithful 24 years, God. <laughs> Today is the day. Chapter 17, oh, let's see, where would you like me to start? Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall therefore keep my covenant. Now, he sealed a covenant with Noah with a rainbow. Now he's getting ready to seal a covenant with Abram, who has been faithful 24 years and gone through all the bad stuff, waiting to get to the good stuff. So now it's time for the covenant. There's always something to seal a covenant. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall therefore keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout your generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your posterity after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. God, why did Noah get a rainbow and I'm getting a circumcision? <laughs> what happens when God chooses a friend of yours or somebody you know, maybe somebody that you think is not even as spiritual as you, which that's a bad sign right there, but that's another teaching, somebody you think is not even as spiritual as you, and they get a rainbow for building a boat. And here you've been through war and strife and turmoil and left your home and everything else and you get a circumcision. There have been many times in my life when I've wanted a rainbow and got a circumcision. A circumcision just means a cutting away of the flesh. That's really what it means. And eventually God gets around to saying, and I want you to serve me with hearts that are circumcised, with pure hearts. And so, not only did Abraham and the males in his house get circumcised, but all the males everywhere in their land got circumcised. I don't imagine that Abraham was very popular. Those days. I'll give you a practical example of how this works. Matter of fact, I'll give you a couple, just so we can apply this to our own life. Um, when I was still doing my home Bible studies and I'd given up my full-time job, well, actually, the truth is, is I gave up my full-time job and got a part-time job, which is not what God told me to do. He put it on my heart to quit my job and trust him but our bills were $40 a month more than our income. And that was without having anything extra left over for anything else. So we not only needed the $40 to pay our bills, but we also needed anything that we needed for repairs or shoes or medical or clothes or anything like that. So we were put in a position to learn how to trust God for finances. Now. I was really expecting great things to happen when I sacrificed 
my job. But that didn't happen right away on my timetable. How many of you have ever taken a step of faith and you thought surely you'd get a, a rainbow right away? And instead you got a circumcision. <laughs> and what I mean by that is a circumstance that cut away the flesh. A circumstance that dealt with your fleshly parts <coughs> and broke bondages off of you. You know, I love the scripture where Jesus, it says he took the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. Well, let me tell you something. Or he blessed the bread, God blesses us, and he wants to eventually give us, but he has to break us. afraid of that word. I hate it when I use that word and people just get silent. Come on, think about it. Mary broke the alabaster box and poured the sweet perfume on Jesus. You have sweet perfume in you. I have good things in me because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We have good things in us, but it won't get out of us to the people that need it if the flesh is not broken. And that's things like independence. We've got to learn how to depend on God. It's things like pride and haughtiness. Even things like we're going to talk about tonight, being jealous of the people who get the rainbows. When you're having a difficult time and you just don't understand why, God, why? Why have I been single as a Christian for 15 years, and I'm praying every day for you to bring me a husband. And I can't even get a decent date. And a friend of mine from work accepted Christ. She joined the church. She's been in here three months, and she's already dating the best-looking guy in the church. And I, let me tell you something. I want to tell you the truth. Unless you're pretty mature, it's going to be hard for you not to resent her. Hmm. Oh, well, praise God, sister. I'm so happy for you. No, you ain't. No, at home you're crying. Why, God, why? I don't want to say it. But see, the main message that I want to get across to you tonight is that God is God. <laughs> and he kind of, sort of, can do what he wants to. And he really doesn't have to explain it if he don't want to. But he is always, always good. I said he is always, always good. So if I get a circumcision and somebody else gets a rainbow, then I can just rejoice because God is doing for me what I need at that moment in my life. And we trust him. So while I was doing these home Bible studies and we just really didn't have much money, and like I said, God put it on my heart to quit my job, and instead of doing that, I went out and got a part-time job. You know, you can't give God part-time obedience. He wants obedience, not a sacrifice. Well, I sacrificed half of my job 
but I still wasn't obedient. So guess what? I got fired from my part-time job. And I was, I was a good employee. I mean, I was a good worker. I'd never been fired from a job before or since. I was not the type of worker that got fired, but God was letting me know that he meant business. I mean, the office manager did not like me, and I don't care what I did, she didn't like me. And so here we have all this need in our life, and we were going to this new little church, and our pastor was going out speaking, and, you know, he did a lot of different things, and... You know, getting partners for your ministry was a big thing back then and still is today, but we didn't have any partners. We didn't, I mean, nobody wanted to give us anything, you know. They didn't even buy any toilet paper for the house. We just came and had 25 people there every week, and I cleaned up their mess, and I'm like, <laughs> And he came by my house one day and to do something. I forget now what it was, and... And he said, oh, man, I'm so excited. I went out this last weekend, and somebody committed to be a $200 a month partner with me, and we got this offering, and it was so great. And, man, I'm trying to be happy for him. And all of a sudden, he looked at me and said, oh, is it okay that I told you that? I'm like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good, good. I'm happy for you. Oh, my gosh. When he left, I threw myself across my daughter's bed, and I cried like my heart was broken. <laughs> I want a rainbow. Why did he get a rainbow and I did not get a rainbow? Are you guys tracking with me tonight? Well, I just want to remind you that God loves you very much. He's got a great plan for your life. Think about this. God has never had a bad thought toward you. Not ever. And remember, even though sometimes God doesn't give us what we want when we want it, a delay is not necessarily a denial. God is on your side, and he's got a good plan for you. Today we're offering you a devotional called Closer to God Each Day, 365 unique ways to connect with God. And they're short. It won't take you long, but it's very important to spend time in the Word of God. And this is something that you can do in the morning, you can do it in the evening, you can do it on your lunch hour, but it's very important to have this time, and you'll learn. And we're offering this today for your gift to the ministry of any amount. We trust you to just do your very, very best. Some of you that have been more blessed financially, you could send in a, a nice big offering, and that would cover several people who maybe can't send in quite as much. Give the gift of God's Word. It's a gift that never wears out, and it never grows old, and it's actually good anytime you want to pick it up and use it. Hey, you have a great day. God's doing awesome things in your life. You may not see them all or feel them right now, but I assure you God is working in your life. Joyce's newest daily devotional, Closer to God Each Day, will give you practical ways and powerful scripture to help develop your intimacy with God. God is waiting for us to determine the level of intimacy that we desire with Him. The closer we are to God, the more fulfilling our lives will be. Joyce's newest devotional, Closer to God Each Day, is available for a donation of any amount. So visit us online at JoyceMeyer.org and order your copy today. We host these conferences every year because as we worship and study the Word, God changes us. So I encourage you, just show up. 
and God will make the weekend unforgettable. Join us in Denver, Colorado, and Hershey, Pennsylvania. For details, go to JoyceMeyer.org or call 1-866-C-JOYCE. and a small corner of Madagascar, we are going to find a very tiny room with about 20 or 25 children crammed around a table where they are fed a nutritious meal every day. More than that, they hear about the love of Christ. Now you may wonder what's the significance of feeding such a small group of children. It's because we have to go where the need is. And those children represent hundreds of others who are fed all over this country in different places every day. by the friends and partners of Joyce Meyer Ministries. You cannot blame and be blessed at the same time. You can play the blame game or you can be blessed, but you can't be both. Live Love Lead was a lot of years in the making. I've been serving God a long time as a senior pastor at Hillsong Church. We've had so many joys and so many challenges as well. And I haven't shirked talking about the challenges and the great times as we use our story to point you towards your own God-given potential. What this book does is it opens up, you know, who my dad is. And by opening up his story, I think it tells the story of uh, our church, the church, and, and who God is. He's been the same guy, passionate, humble, and he's been a builder of God's house. And I think it just takes character to do it for a lifetime, and that's, that's fun. I believe your best is yet to come, and I believe this book can help point you towards all of those things God has for you in the future. We live in a hyper-visual society. We are bombarded with thousands of images every day. We need to learn to see again. You're watching the Hillsong Channel. Welcome home. Bringing you the very best of Hillsong Church from around the globe. 
Broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Empowering people in every sphere of life. The Hillsong Channel. of life, instead of looking at what what you might tend to call a letdown, why don't you look at it as a way to greater growth? Sometimes we pray things and we don't really know what we're asking God for. So why don't you switch your mental strategy a little bit? This is your season to discover who God made you to be. This is your season to get to the root issues of what it is that God has truly planted in you concerning your destiny, concerning your mission. Welcome. I so appreciate you taking the time to tune in today. I'm excited about a word that God has given me to share with you. It's not often that I do this. Usually on our broadcast, I'm preaching from our church with the pulpit. But there's something that God began to speak to me just yesterday, and I was so excited about what he was showing me that I actually asked our team if we could create a special broadcast just to share these thoughts with you. Sometimes it's a little easier to share in a one-on-one format. You know, preaching is wonderful. But sometimes there's something very personal that God gives you to minister. And I feel like this is one of those personal words, particularly for somebody today who is dealing with disappointment in your life. That's actually what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about dealing with disappointment. I have a friend who comes to visit me about every six months, very wise, a little bit older than me. And the last time he was with me, he had a strong word for me. And when he leaned across and said it, I knew that it was coming out of his mouth, but it was coming from God's heart. And here's what he said. He said, every disappointment is not a disaster. And for somebody like me who tends to overreact, I don't know if you're an overreactor, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I have the ability in the theater of my mind to emotionally exaggerate an event. Like if one person doesn't like me, I can feel like the whole world is against me. If one thing goes wrong, it feels like everything is falling apart. I think one of the things that the presence of God does in our lives is it gives us a perspective, an elevated perspective, a higher perspective, a clearer perspective, a more accurate perspective. And so I believe God has some things he wants to share with you today on the subject of dealing with disappointment. Look, the goal of life isn't to eliminate disappointment. The goal of life is to learn how to deal with it in a way, in fact, I wish we were in church right now because I'd tell you to touch your neighbor and just say, deal with it. So maybe you want to touch your dog or point at your fish or maybe yell at whoever's in the kitchen while you're watching this and tell them, deal with it. Because really, that's a lot of what life is about, isn't it? It's how we deal with it. It's how we handle stress. It's how we handle anxiety. It's how we handle the letdown. I love the song lyric I heard recently that says, you're no one till someone lets you down. I think that's pretty profound. I think that in life, a lot of times, we don't really know what it means to have God holding us up until people have let us down, until situations have let us down, until some of our own hopes and dreams have let us down. I believe sometimes God has to let your dream die so that his plan for your life can come alive. 
and you always find out that his ways are higher and he's able to do more than you asked or imagined. But all of this is dependent upon your ability and my ability to deal with disappointment. And I came across a passage of scripture recently that to me isn't very common. It's right in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. It's a parable that Jesus shares. And you know, a lot of the parables Jesus shares are the more famous ones like the prodigal son or even the lost coin, the lost sheep. Those are in Luke 15. But in Luke 13, Jesus shares a very different kind of parable. Now this one, this one isn't quite as cute and comforting <laughs> as the lost sheep or the lost coin. This one's pretty strong, and, and, and I think we need to pay attention to everything that's in the Bible, because sometimes we gloss over the stuff that we don't quite know what to do with, but Jesus is describing, essentially, the Father's disappointment with the religious system. He's talking about how man-made rules and regulations have replaced the access point of relationship with God. So people are going around hurting and harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus is personally fed up with it. And he's describing the true nature of repentance. Now, in that context, he breaks it down and he shares a parable. And to me, it's very fascinating. He says, a man had a fig tree, and this is Luke 13, verse 6, growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. Let's stop right there. Have you ever gone to a place in your life that should be producing? And when you reached out to take what you expected, there was nothing there? Have you ever, have you ever been very, very very disappointed when you invested in someone, kind of like when you put money in a vending machine and you push the button and nothing comes back out? Have you ever gone to a place where you should receive encouragement, should receive affirmation, should receive remuneration, should receive some kind of reciprocation and gotten none? That's the situation here. And Jesus is using an agricultural analogy to help us see what that's like. He said there's a, a, a vineyard owner who didn't find any fruit on a fruit tree. Verse 7 says, So he said to the man who took care of his vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, there are a lot of different ways you could look at this passage. Historically, obviously, Jesus had a three-year ministry. And so I think there's a parallel here that he's saying that in his three years of ministry, he's challenging the entire establishment that had become so rooted in that day that wasn't producing healing, that wasn't producing love, that wasn't producing true repentance. He's challenging the system and threatening to uproot it. But at a deeper level, could this actually be a picture for the way that our lives are challenged from time to time in seasons of disappointment and seasons of frustration. Like, I'm thinking about this parable from a couple of different angles. And I want you to go with me because my mind gets kind of creative and maybe even a little ADHD when I'm reading the Bible. And so I had this picture in the Bible of these trees that are all planted in the same vineyard. And there's one of them that's not doing what it's supposed to do. Now, the tendency for us when life is not producing, when we're not producing, when we're not meeting a standard, when we're not coming forth with what we ought to come forth with, the tendency is often to blame the ground. Here's the interesting thing, though. When the owner of the vineyard went to the vineyard, there was only one tree that he singled out. There was one tree that wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Now, the assumption would be 
that all of the other trees were doing just fine. He has no problem with them. So you may have one tree over here that's producing well, one tree over here that's flourishing fully. But there's, there's one, free, one tree that's planted in the same soil that's producing no fruit. And here's what I want you to get out of that. Sometimes in our life, we complain about our environment or we complain about the ground that we're planted in as an excuse for why we're not bearing fruit. You know, we can have all kinds of reasons for the situation we were born into, the gifts we weren't given, not tall enough, not thin enough. Oh, well, I got a slow metabolism. Oh, well, I've never had any opportunities. Nobody's ever trusted me in that way. All kinds of reasons that we can give for why we can't bear the fruit that we're called to bear. But the interesting thing is, usually if you look around, there's another tree right next to you planted in the same soil that is bearing fruit. And it kind of takes our excuses away. In other words, you might find somebody who had a home life that was rougher than yours, but still find, found a way to come out of that situation and actually turn what they had been through around as a testimony to God's goodness. Or you may find somebody else who has less advantages than you economically, but they're able to take what they have, and somehow, some way, they have a generous heart. Yet, we're planted in the ground, and we want to blame the soil for what we're not able to produce. The thing about this parable is that, obviously, there was nothing wrong with the ground. I really think you've got to come to a point in your life where you stop blaming the ground that you're planted in for the fruit that you're not producing. You know, you may be in a situation right now where you're not receiving the encouragement that you want, where you're not receiving the validation that you want, where you're not getting all the opportunities on your job, or, or, or maybe it's something with your health. There are all kinds of reasons that you could give as to why you're not bearing fruit. But there is somebody else planted in the same vineyard as you who's dealing with the same struggle, the same difficulty, yet they're finding a way to bear fruit. I've heard it said, and I believe it, that faith sees the way and doubt only sees the obstacle. To be a person of faith is to find a way to grow. Find a way to grow in adversity. Find a way to grow in trial. Find a way to grow in, in personal pain. Try, try to find a way to grow in times of setback and turn it into something special. You know, Paul said one time, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. What's he say? Whatever soil I'm planted in, I find a way to flourish. This is one of the things we have to learn in our walk with God, even in dry seasons, to find root in ourselves so that we can grow. But let's move on in the text because far beyond the personal responsibility of the tree to grow, look at the response of the vineyard owner. He says, you've got one more year to produce fruit, and then I'm going to cut this tree down. I want to ask you a question about some of the areas of your life. Is there an area of your life today that you need to put on a deadline? In other words, to say, you know, in this certain area of my life, I'm going to stop just waiting around for something to happen, and I'm actually going to set a goal. I'm actually going to set a time frame. I think it's interesting that the manager of the vineyard said, give me a year. I'm going to give it a year, and I'm going to do some things in that year to get this tree to grow. I'm going to do some things that I haven't done before to get the tree to grow. And he specifically mentions two things. Number one, he says, I'll dig around it. I'll dig around it. In other words, I'm going to dig deeper. So if there's something in your life today that's not producing, and again, 
It could be in any area. Resources, relationships, any area in your life that's failing to bear fruit, any area that's frustrating you, any area where the tree has nothing on it. And when every time you reach for something off of it, you're disappointed with the result. Could it be that you need to dig a little deeper in that area? Could it be that if there's an area where you need more wisdom, you need to be digging deeper into the Word of God? I find a lot of times we're so satisfied to settle at the surface level of issues. But to dig deeper, to really get down to the root issues and find out why isn't it growing? One example of this in your life might be unforgiveness. Maybe there's a lack of joy in your life. You know, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, if that fruit isn't on your tree, there might be an issue at the root that needs to be dug around. If there's not joy in your life right now, it might be because there's bitterness at the root. And God may be calling you in this season to do some digging, to get out a shovel and find out what's really beneath that. Sometimes we're so busy blaming the symptoms. We see what's wrong and we stay stuck in what's wrong. But I believe that in this season, if you'll say, God, I'm going to do some digging in my own heart. Pray like David prayed. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my ways. See if there's any anxious thought in me and lead me in your way everlasting. What's he saying? God, I'm willing to do the dirty work. I'm not just going to stay on the surface, but I really want to find out why I'm not producing in this area of my life. I want you to show me what's in me. I'm not going to blame others. I'm not going to walk around the rest of the vineyard looking at the rest of the trees, comparing my fruit to their fruit. Work on me, God. And when you make that personal decision to dig, I believe growth starts to happen in places that you might have given up on. You can stay stuck in disappointment. You can blame the soil. Or you can dig deeper. And I believe that if you will, if you roll up your sleeves and say, God, I'm willing to look beneath the way things seem so you can show me the way things really are and the way you intend things to be, I believe you find not only that he'll assist you in that process, but that he'll reveal to you what's really going on. The second thing isn't quite as obvious in the text, but it says not only that the man agreed to dig around the tree, but check this out. He said, I'm going to fertilize it. Now, in the King James Version, which some of you may read, the the old King James Version, it uses a more direct phrase. He said, I'm going to dig around the tree, and I'm going to dung it. I'm going to dung it. So I'm going to dig, and I'm going to dung it. And I love that because how many times in my life have I felt like that a failure was coming into my life to bury me, or doubt, or discouragement, or disappointment. Remember what my friend said. He said, not every disappointment is a disaster. And when you think about the smell and the texture and the composition and the origin point of dung, it's not a very pretty picture. But the manager of the vineyard knew something. He knew that it was going to take something, a substance, that wasn't necessarily desirable to achieve a result that was fruitful. And man, I just feel like the Spirit of God is on this for somebody today because there are some things you're complaining about, some things you're asking God to take out of your life, but He's trying to dung or fertilize 
an area of your life so it can bear more fruit. You know, we can't just always categorize things in our life by how they feel to us or how they appear to us or how desirable they are to our flesh or how good they feel. If you'll be honest, some of the greatest growth periods of your life have been the times where you felt smothered by some of the greatest struggles, some of the times where you were in the greatest conflict and challenge. That is the dung that created the growth. That's the fertilizer that created the faith for the fruit to grow on your tree. So why don't you switch your mental strategy a little bit? Instead of looking at the frustrations of life, instead of looking at what, what you might tend to call a letdown as something that is going to stop the process of production, why don't you look at it as a way to greater growth? Be careful now, because sometimes we pray things and we don't really know what we're asking God for. So we ask God, you know, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my prayer life. God, make me more loving. God, I want to know you more. You know, all these things that we pray, they sound good. But the moment you start praying that, watch out. Because God is going to pull up the wheelbarrow, and he's going to pull up the, pull up the bag of fertilizer, and he's going to begin to do things in your life that may not be desirable. Now, I'm not saying that God does the bad things, but he will allow life from time to time to place something on you or around you. It's that digging and it's that dunging. It's that process that none of us would really enjoy. Digging isn't comfortable. It's hard work. To be covered in dung doesn't feel like you're growing, but it's actually those very things, those very processes, sometimes that very pain. Sometimes it's the loneliness in our life that produces a greater capacity for intimacy with God and a greater appreciation for the blessing. So here's why I wanted to talk to you today. I have a feeling that there may be an area in your life where you're beyond frustrated and disappointed. Disappointed not necessarily with others, but maybe with yourself. Frustrated with yourself because you thought you'd be further along. Frustrated with yourself because well, you should be doing better by now. Disappointed in yourself because there's an area of your character that you get under control for a little while and it comes back. It's a frustrating thing to go to the tree and there's no fruit there where there should be. And you have a relationship with God, so you've got the root system. But this is your season of digging. This is not your season to compare yourself to other trees. This is not your season to blame the ground, your husband, your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, your boss, your ex-husband, your stepdad. This is not your season to compare your fruit to their fruit. This is your season to dig. This is your season to discover who God made you to be. This is your season to get to the root issues of what it is that God has truly planted in you concerning your destiny, concerning your mission. And this is not your season to compare when the dung of life, when the hard stuff of life, when the stuff that doesn't smell good, feel good, look good, when that stuff comes, you got to recognize it. Ah, this is fertilizer. This is strengthening my faith. And this is your season for patient urgency. I see both working in the passage. I see a manager of the vineyard who says, give me one more year. Because, you know, sometimes we give up on things that God is doing in our life way too easily. The manager of the vineyard could have just said, yeah, you're right, cut it down. He could have just said, yeah, you know, take it away. There's plenty of other trees. But, you know, when God plants something in your life, you need to be a little bit more tenacious. Sometimes we need to persevere 
through a process that looks unproductive. But I also see, in contrast to the patience of the manager, I see the urgency of the owner. That he says, we're not going to waste any ground. And in this season of your life, if you're dealing with the disappointment, it is so important that you uproot all of the things that are draining life. Let me tell you something. You are not an unlimited resource. God is an unlimited God. But you are a finite creature. And you only have so much ground to give. You only have so much energy. You only have so many nutrients. And the owner of the vineyard said, we're not going to let anything stay in this vineyard that isn't producing, that isn't a good use of ground. Can I ask you a question? Is it time for some things to be uprooted in your life that are just taking up good ground? Is it time maybe for some relationships that are draining you to be removed from the inner circle of where you concentrate? Is it time for some thought patterns that are keeping you up at night? Maybe even some of the things you put in your mind, the things you allow in your heart. Maybe some of the places that you go. Maybe some of the regrets you replay. Is it time for you to uproot some regrets? Uproot some relationships? Because I'm going to tell you, you only have so much ground to give. And it is so important in this season that every square inch of your life is yielded to things that are going to yield fruit. I just feel this so strongly today for someone who keeps going to the free and one, tree and wondering where's the fruit. Man, I keep coming back to this same place. There's nothing here. And in this passage, I believe there are several principles that apply. But I also want to offer you an opportunity to go further and deeper into this teaching. I put together a DVD collection. In it, you're going to hear sermons about how to embrace the things that drive you crazy. And actually, they can make you great. You're also going to hear how to deal with seasons of barrenness as well as seasons of burden. Learning how to make the choices that will lead you in the right direction, even when you don't have control over your circumstance. I really want you to get this resource today. I believe it'll help you. But overall, I want you to evaluate your life today. I believe your life is a vineyard. I believe your life is a place where God desires growth. And growth is not optional for the believer. The fact of the matter is, friend, you're either growing or you're dying. If you're not growing in your love for others, if you're not growing in your maturity, if you're not growing in your compassion, if you're not growing in your faith, you're in a state of atrophy. God didn't create you for that. God created you for growth. And this is your year, like this tree, to grow. You don't want to let another week slip away, another month slip away, another day slip away, having trees in your life that are taking up perfectly good ground. God created you to flourish, to thrive, to make a difference that your branches may reach. I love Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season. When you're planted in the right place, you'll always bring forth fruit at the right time. So I pray that today you would carefully and prayerfully look at your life and ask God, what is it that you want to uproot that's taking up space? What is it that you want to uproot that's draining me? What is it that you want to uproot that's keeping me from my destiny? And where are the areas of your life where you're calling me to dig? What are the failures even and disappointments that you're bringing into my life that are not a disaster but are actually an essential part of my development? And I want to pray for you right now in Jesus' name that God would locate those areas of your life 
that he would give you the patience to persevere in the places where the fruit is growing, but it's just a little slow, that you would keep digging. That he would give you the patience to persevere in those areas of your life where right now you feel like you're being fertilized and it's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good, but it's going to work for your good. It's going to turn in your favor. It's going to yield fruit in season. If you can walk in patience and stay encouraged and stay rooted. I want to pray that you'll have the discernment today in Jesus' name to locate those areas that are taking up good ground in your life, taking your best energy, taking away your best focus, stealing away your time. You only have so much. This is an urgent matter. We don't have another day to wait, being frustrated needlessly. But I believe even in your frustration, there is great fruitfulness when God is involved. I want to encourage you to get the rest of these resources. I believe these messages will help you. I believe they'll help you to see things in a new way. They won't take your frustrations or disappointment away, but they will give you a new strategy. Take a look at this. God says, I want, I want, to, make, I want to make a delivery into your life. He said, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to dig out around that place, and then I'm going to dump on it. I'm going to dung on it. I'm going to allow you to go through a season of failure until you begin to see failure as fertilizer. What I want to do is, is I want to dig around those places where you've been disappointed. And then I want to allow your life to be covered in some stuff, some messy stuff, some smelly stuff, some hard stuff. But if you can learn to see that what I'm doing while I'm digging isn't so you will die, but it's so that what's in you can come more fully alive, you can deal with it. We all have parts of our lives that aren't turning out quite like we planned. But how do we know when it's time to keep pushing or just cut our losses? In the series, Dig It, Finding Your Destiny in the Dirt, Pastor Stephen Furtick reveals how our disappointment can help direct us to the life God designed for us all along. This five-part series is our gift to you as a thank you for your gift to expand the reach of Stephen Furtick Ministries. To give now and request these resources, call the number on your screen. Visit stephenfurtick.com or send your request to Stephen Furtick Ministries at P.O. Box 1679, Fort Mill, South Carolina, 
spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. When has so much come from so little? Somebody, I'm freestyle rapping up here. 
You know, before I was a pastor, I was a rapper. And um, I realized I didn't have too much of a career in that. But, you know, the thing I think about when I used to rap and do music was there was a beat, a tempo that set the pace for the song, that set the pace for the rap, that kind of helped set you up a groove to get into. And I remember there was a time when I was in a band and our drummer was figuring out how to set a tempo and there was a season where he was very busy on his drums and, and, and uh, learning how to mature. In fact, it takes more maturity to be less of a busy drummer and more of a steady drummer. And so let me just show you the difference of a busy drum beat. This is what a busy drum beat sounds like. If the entire song sounded like that, can you imagine if for like 30 minutes it was just and there was no breathing room, there was no rest, there was no steadiness, there was no margin? See, let me just show you what a steady beat sounds like. Give us a steady beat. Come on, that's a good beat right there. Groove with me. Yeah. All right, we got to stop because we could get into that beat for the whole time. But here's the point. Life has a tempo. Your purpose has a tempo. Your season has a pace. And I love that Jesus shows us how to live at a tempo that's going to glorify God. In fact, the title of the message today is The Jesus Tempo. The Jesus Tempo. He sets an example of how to work, how to rest how to live your life free from the rushed, hurried mindset, free from the addiction to being busy. We as a society are addicted to working. We are addicted to being busy. We are addicted to constantly being on the phone, checking emails, checking tweets, checking text messages, and we've learned how to now do it under the table with just one finger, and you're so good at living busy that you, you've got this almost aim for perfection, but you don't want people to see that you're aiming for perfection, and so you're perfect at looking like everything's perfect, but on the inside, you're exhausted. And you've got to hide it, because if somebody sees that you're exhausted, they might think that you're failing, and exhaustion is a sign of failure, and so you're afraid to show it. And Jesus invites all those that are exhausted and tired and weary from trying to live at a tempo that's out of sync with His grace. I don't know about you, but sometimes my life feels like a perpetual treadmill. <laughs> and I feel like I'm... Con it's like a roller coaster. Like, I'm constantly trying to, you know, figure out the pace. And it's not working. But the main thing is, you look at this. And, and you're always on... A treadmill, you're constantly trying to stay up with the Joneses, keep up with the people around you at work who are always working and don't have boundaries and don't know how to take time off. And so you feel like you can't get off the treadmill. Anyone ever been there before where you just feel like you got to stay on the treadmill, you got to keep working, you got to keep... And almost embarrassed at times when someone finds out that you took a day off or that you rested because you feel like maybe I don't deserve it, I feel guilty for resting. And Jesus says, hold on, come here. There's a better tempo than that. There's a better pace for your life. What are the secrets to living a balanced life? Is it really possible to have complete joy in your family, work, and relationships? Jesus was not busy. He was purposeful. He was intentional about his time. 
Learn how to have that biblical balanced life with Pastor Paul's three-part CD series, Tempo, when you call 1-800-760-2360 or go to pauldoherty.org and make a gift of any size. Jesus shows us even just the tempo of resting, taking time to just pull away. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15, it says that the crowds were coming to Jesus. And, and Jesus had just healed a leper, and he had told the leper, don't tell anyone that I just healed you. And the leper tells everybody. And so all the crowds come to Jesus, and they're looking for him. We need you, Jesus. We need you to heal us. And the pressures and the demands are growing. Success is building. Jesus had just stepped on the scene for 30 years. He was silent with his life. Now all of a sudden, ministry's growing, and he's doing ministry, and success is growing. And watch what happens when the crowds show up. Verse 16. Yet Jesus would often withdraw into the wilderness and pray. Right when all the pressures were growing, right when all the opportunities were showing up and knocking at his door, it says that Jesus withdrew himself often. Not just one time, but often he would withdraw into the wilderness and pray. Jesus understood the tempo. The tempo. God himself has a tempo. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in the first day, and the second day, and the third day, and fourth, fifth, sixth day. And on the seventh day, God rested. God showed us a, a week, a tempo for our life. Six days of working and enjoying the work, and the seventh day, no work. Just rest. Just time to enjoy what He had created. My question for you today is, are you enjoying your life. Are you taking time to stop and rest and soak in what God's doing in you and around you and for you and through you? Are you powering down so you can power up? You know, Ashley and I, we have this happen to us often where our cell phones are like dying in the morning time after we charge them through the night and then we go out and they're already dying after two or three hours. And so at lunch, we'll literally bring our cell phone and a cord with us. And we will plug it into the wall if the restaurant has an outlet near the table. And as soon as you plug it in, and, and we'll start trying to use it as it's being charged. And, and, and what's funny is oftentimes when I'm using the phone as it's being charged, the battery keeps going down and dies on me while it's plugged in. It's like the phone is screaming at me, let me rest, let me rest, don't use me right now, let me, re let me rebuild some battery time. And I think a lot of us in this room, that's the same thing with our bodies, with our lives, that we need rest. One of the most spiritual things you can do is rest. One of the most theological things that you can get is rest. Jesus promises healing. He promises us salvation. He promises us the, the Holy Spirit. And did you know He promises you and I rest? It's one of the most overlooked, underutilized things in the body of Christ. We think if we rest, somehow we're either missing out on an opportunity God wants us to have or we're letting God down because we're not working hard enough. But God is just as pleased when you're working as He is when you're resting. He wants you to live at a tempo, a pace, so you can finish your race, so you can finish all the days that He's laid out for you and for me. Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you exhausted? Come to me. Did you know Christians can get burned out too? We can get burned out. 
ministry is work, just like business is work. It's not, sometimes I think we get mixed up thinking that one thing is secular and one thing is sacred. It's, it's not what you do that makes your work secular or sacred. It's why you do it. Someone could be doing ministry but just doing it for a paycheck, and that's secular. Someone else could be doing business but doing it because they want to glorify God with the gift that He's put inside them, and that's sacred. But it's why you do it, and it's so easy to get burned out when you're not resting, when you're not taking pauses and having margin and breathing room in your life to just enjoy the journey. And Jesus says, if you're burned out, if you're exhausted trying to do all of this on your own, if you're exhausted trying to look perfect, He says, come to me. In other words, let me be your source. Whatever you go to when you're most tired, that's the thing that you find as your source. TV, pleasure, entertainment, those things are good, but those things aren't your source for rest. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me. He says this. He says, walk with me. In other words, there's a tempo. Walk with me. Work with me. He's not saying you're free from work. He's just saying, let me show you a new way to work. Let me show you a new way to work. He says, watch my tempo. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says this. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly in charge of the Sabbath. Two things to set your tempo. Number one, honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a word that God instituted in the Old Testament. It actually means a day of rest. Sabbath comes from the God tempo in creation where God worked for six days and then took a day of rest. Sabbath was something He gave to the Israelites after they came out of Egypt to rest. In fact, He also gave them another word called Shemitah. Anyone ever heard of Shemitah before? It's actually every seven years in the agricultural cycle to rest. In fact, he said the Sabbath was made for your benefit. It was made so that you and I could enjoy it. It's not about a certain day. It's about what you do with that day. It's about resting on that day, honoring God. You, by being at church, you are honoring the Sabbath. But it's not just about going to church. It's also about honoring and enjoying the gift that God has given you, the gift of family, the gift of community, the gift of relationships. Jesus had a tempo where He wasn't constantly healing people, wasn't constantly doing work. He was also living on the lake with His disciples and enjoying rest. He was investing in relationships with others and He was hanging out with His family and then He would pull away and pray and rest and He gives us a tempo to live our life. And maybe you're listening to this today and you're saying, Paul, the Jesus tempo, it sounds good, but I work like three jobs a week. I'm a single parent. I've got three kids. I can't even use the bathroom without leaving the door open to make sure my kids aren't destroying something in the house. How am I supposed to live the Jesus tempo? And here's the point of the message today. All of us go through seasons where maybe it's more difficult to rest. All of us do. No one is different than another person in here. But the thing is, is look for the pockets, the moments, the minutes where you can just Breathe in and breathe out the grace of God, the rest of God. So two ways to set your tempo. One, honor the Sabbath. Two, live in the pace of grace. Live in the pace of grace. There is a pace that is graceful. It, it involves you living with a healthy mindset of resting and enjoying the thing that you do, enjoying the time and the people you're with. There is a, uh, 
a quote I want to give to you from a guy named Rabbi uh, Elijah of Vilna. He said this, God stopped to show us that what we create becomes meaningful to us only once we stop creating it and start to think about why we did so. The implication is clear. We could let the world wind us up and set us to marching like mechanical dolls that go and go until they fall over because they don't have a mechanism that allows them to pause. But that would make us less than human. We have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. And in the same way, the Scriptures tell us to stop and just remember that life is precious. Life is valuable. Life is too short to live hurried and rushed, constantly busy, constantly on the phone. God wants us to step into a better tempo. They found Jesus and they said, Everybody's been trying to get a hold of you, Jesus. Everybody's been texting and emailing and calling and tweeting you and you haven't answered. And I love what Jesus responds to. He says, Let's go. He doesn't even answer where he's been or why they couldn't get a hold of him. He says, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there because this is why I've come. In fact, Jesus, oh, this is so good. Jesus discovered his why while he got away to rest. You can live a happy, balanced life. That's what God wants for you. Jesus was not busy. He was purposeful. He was intentional about his life. When you call or go to pauldoherty.org and make a gift of $19 or more a month, you'll receive both the three-message CD series by Paul Doherty and the exclusive Victory Journal. Your gift will support the spread of the good news of victory to over 6 million viewers every week. $19 helps support Victory's 200 missionaries in countries all over the world, as well as providing humanitarian aid and disaster relief to spots of turmoil and poverty. Your support helps us to continue to feed children, Minister to those in need and enable others to receive hope. Your generosity of $19 a month, just 63 cents a day, will not just give others hope, but satisfaction knowing that the message of God's grace is reaching others around the world. Please call 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online. Your call says you care. I think there's three reasons why we don't live in a tempo of grace, live in a tempo that allows us to rest. Number one, Constantly answering to Pharaoh. See, in the Old Testament, they were constantly answering to Pharaoh. Everywhere they went, they had to answer to Pharaoh. There was, and this was during the time when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and they were working to put the brick and the mortar up, and they were constantly on the treadmill, constantly trying to keep the pace up, and constantly trying to please Pharaoh. They couldn't go anywhere where they didn't answer to Pharaoh. And today, we don't have a Pharaoh, we have a phone. And we're constantly answering to the phone. The phone has become a god in our country. The phone, because you can take work with you anywhere, now you take it everywhere. And so you take work with you on vacation, and you take work with you on Labor Day, and you take work with you on the free days, and you're constantly checking it. And if it's not work, it's social media, it's Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Periscope and LinkedIn and everything else now that allows us to stay connected. But see, here's what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 1, there's a story of what Jesus did here. Verse 35, while it was still night, way before the dawn, Jesus got up and went to a secluded spot. He went to a sacred space to pray. I want you to think about that for a moment. Are there any more sacred places in your life? Is there any more 
sacred spots, sacred spaces that you haven't tweeted about, Instagrammed about, Facebooked about, that you don't bring your phone to, that you don't bring your laptop to, that you don't bring your work to, that you actually go there just to be still and know that He is God? Is there any space left in your life where it's just you and God? When Jesus was the most pressured, He would disconnect. It was like Jesus was secure enough in His own Secure enough in who he was and who he belonged to, that he was a son of God, that he knew, I can pull away and trust that the crowds will still be there when I come back. I can pull away as a businessman and trust that the business will still be there when I come back. If you feel like you can't leave the business because it's going to fall apart without you, you can't leave the cell phone because the world's going to stop if you don't have your cell phone next to you. Your tempo's got to change. I'm trying to set you free this year. If you'll just get into the Jesus tempo, I'm telling you, it will give you more sleep, more wisdom. David said it like this in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days so that we may live in the wisdom of God. If you knew how short your life was, you wouldn't spend all your time on the phone. If you knew how short your life was, you wouldn't be in the office all day. You'd start thinking about my grandma and I were eating lunch this last week, and while we were eating lunch... I had put my phone three feet away from me because I didn't want to answer it while I was hanging out with Grand Grand, but I turned it right side up so that way if it buzzed, I would see the brightness of the screen and know that someone was trying to get a hold of me. And so I had it over there, and I could see it buzzing. I was looking at it, but I was like, no, I'm going to be present with my grandma. And you know what? I learned a great lesson. For one, anytime you're with Grand Grand, it's a great time. But she said this to me. She said, Paul, and we, she didn't even know I was going to preach on this sermon. She said, Paul, I think... Our culture needs to understand the difference between urgent and important. Not everything that's urgent is important. There's always going to be urgent things that are grabbing for your attention, vying for your time, demanding pressure, pressure, pressure. You've got to answer this now. You've got to do this now. But is it really important in light of eternity? Is it really important? Can it wait? So that you can look your spouse in the eyes and have an unrushed conversation. So that you can look your child in the eyes and enjoy your life. So that you can get outside and go for a jog and pray without your cell phone next to you. Do you ever need a reminder of God's faithfulness? You can be reminded every day with our exclusive Onward Journal with Pastor Paul's victory confession on the front cover. God is not finished with me yet. My best day are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. A beautiful journal to note your favorite scriptures and stories, count your blessings, and write the victories you experience every day. You can get this Onward Journal when you call or visit pauldoherty.org. Jesus was able to disconnect. And watch what happens in Mark 1, verse 36. When he pulls away and has this time with God in the wilderness, People came looking for him. You ever feel like people are looking for you when you don't have your phone on you? They're like, I know somebody's trying to get a hold of me right now. And it says that when they came looking for him, verse 37, they found Jesus and they said, everybody's been trying to get a hold of you, Jesus. Everybody's been texting and emailing and calling and tweeting you and you haven't answered. And I love what Jesus responds to. He says, let's go. He doesn't even answer where he's been or why they couldn't get a hold of him. He says, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there because this is why I've come. In fact, Jesus, oh, this is so good. Jesus discovered his why while he got away to rest. You're going to get inspiration for the purpose of which you are here on this earth when you disconnect from your phone. 
divine direction comes from digital disconnection. Come on, somebody. Only when you digitally disconnect do you actually receive divine connection, divine re revelation, divine uh, uh, direction for your life. You've got to pull away from all the demands and connections and say, God, speak to me. So you do that through your Sabbath. The second reason why I think a lot of people uh, don't take time to rest and don't take time to Sabbath or live in the pace of grace is because they have a misunderstanding of God. We think that God's not happy unless we're on the treadmill. We think God's not happy unless we are, you know, doing the work that He's called us to do. And so we've got to get on the treadmill. We've got to get it going. And God's only happy if I'm on this and I'm doing this. And if I'm working here, I've got to speed up the tempo to please God or else He won't give me favor. And my favor only comes when I'm working, when I'm going at a tempo that He's happy with. And God says... Step off the treadmill. Because we think that we're going to miss God's approval on our life if we take a rest. You know what? God instituted rest. I think there's been a misunderstanding of God and, and life. God is happy when you rest, when you take time to pace your life, to disconnect, to just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Today, teenagers are losing sleep, losing REM, rapid eye movement, because they're conditioned to constantly be listening to the phone. And I think sometimes we're listening to the phone because sometimes we think our importance and our value comes from how many people are texting us, how many notifications we're getting through social media. If we're getting more and more likes, then we're more and more pleased in God's eyes. We're more and more valuable and important in people's minds. And and it's sad because we're losing sleep from that. And we need to be able to just trust that God loves us even when we sleep, even when we rest. Even you didn't come in this morning convicted for the naps that you took this week. You came in this morning thankful because you live a busy life. We live busy lives. And I, I think God wants us to pull away. In fact, Jesus told to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, Mary has discovered the one thing that's necessary. Martha, you're in this, this mode where you feel like you've got to work to earn my approval. Work. And he's not saying that good works are bad. Good works are great. But not at the expense of never having a rest. Not at the expense of you thinking that unless you're doing good works, you're not pleasing God. God enjoys it when his children enjoy his creation. The third thing, and probably the most important thing, the underlying issue behind all of the reasons why we don't rest, I think it's because we have a misplaced identity. We feel like our identity and self-worth is connected to our work. If I work more and perform better, people will like me more, my approval ratings will go up, more people that clap for me, the more clients that I have, the more valuable that I am. And we think somehow that our worth is connected to our, our performance. Our identity is connected to our work. If I look perfect and I do things perfect and I'm able to do it in a way where people don't even knew that I had, know that I actually worked to make it happen, that I'm valuable and important. And Jesus says, hold on. There's a better tempo. There's a better rhythm for your marriage. There's a better rhythm for your family. There's a better rhythm for your life. You are not your job. The problem is we've, we've allowed our J-O-B to become our G-O-D. We've allowed our job to take the place of God in our life. We feel like we can't 
walk away from something. We feel like we can't take a break from it because if we do, I'm so needed. I'm so necessary, Paul. People got to get a hold of me. People had to get a hold of Jesus too, and he stepped away. If the Savior of the world is able to step away from his work, I think you can step away from your work. Drop the mic. What are the secrets to living a balanced life? Is it really possible to have complete joy in your family, work, and relationships? Jesus was not busy. He was purposeful. He was intentional about his time. Learn how to have that biblical balanced life with Pastor Paul's three-part CD series, Tempo. When you call 1-800-760-2360 or go to pauldoherty.org and make a gift of any size. To the kingdom of God. You might have to get up when nobody else is getting up and pray for people others have forgotten. The enemy loves to come into your mind and accuse you, but you gotta talk trash back to the devil. God is not through with me yet. Word explosion. Kingdom come. August 9th through 14th. Watch online at victory.com.
Stingray music. All good vibes. You loved me through my good. You loved me through my bad. You loved me through my good. Change your phones. Oh, you should have had it on there. Hello, is anybody there? 
Anyway, I'll open up and grab. Nobody wants to open up. All righty then. Michelle Crockett. 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 
I mean, you might if you saw her. I mean, I didn't really know her in high school, but we went to college together. I just found out yesterday. I just found out yesterday. Um, she's been diagnosed with ALS. Is she light skin and short hair? Uh, she's she's dark skin and she has short hair now. I don't, I don't think she did in high school. Um, it's a bunch of them crockets. Um. So, like I said, you know, you might recognize if you saw a picture of it, but um, anyway, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible disease. That's the Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just found out yesterday that she got, that she's been diagnosed with it. So I wanted to ask you if you would put her, um, you know, like on the list so that we can continually, um, you know, so basically so that every day something is being said for her. Okay. Thank you. Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, I thank you for helping us to make it through this this heat wave. If we just take our time and make sure we stay hydrated and not try and, and overdo, then we should be just fine. We asked for the summer, and mm, this is this is part of having the summer. And so, Father, just like in the wintertime, we had to deal with the extreme cold. Sometimes we had to deal with the extreme heat. And nothing is perfect in life. And sometimes we had to deal with the extremes, but we make it through. Thanks to you, Father. Thank you. Father, I want to lift up a prayer for the family. For, for Francine, Jeffrey's mother, who passed. I know Francine is going through a hard time, and I'm sure the rest of her family is as well. Father, I pray that they are turning to you in this time of grief, that they are, are seeking you. Father, I pray that they can feel your love around them as well as the love and the well wishes of their friends and other family. Help them, Father, to make it through this difficult time. Father, I pray for for Michelle Crockett, who, who's been diagnosed with this horrible disease, and for her friends and family who love her. But, Father, she may have been diagnosed with it, but how it affects her, how quickly it affects her, that is up to you. Because you always have the final say-so. And we know that you have worked miracles. Father, we have prayed for people on this line who have miraculously made a turnaround. And so I pray, Father, that she believes, that she truly, truly believes in her heart, that she is a child of yours, that she seeks you on a regular basis, that she has a relationship with you, Father, that she is talking to you. But we'll continue to pray for her anyway. Mm. We thank you, Father. You are awesome, and we know this. Father, thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Anybody else want to pray for it to my head?
Because you know it's all about Mr. Rich's son. You know what? You know it's all about Mr. Rich's son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, nobody else I want to do is pray. I'm going to start on my list. I could actually take... I'm used to coming another route. Anyway. We might be the only ones on, Sam. It don't matter. Yeah, right now it's just, just you and I on here, so. I know when your birthday is. Anyway, let me start on the list. This is foolishness. I asked her yesterday what she was going to do for her birthday. You said what? I said I asked her yesterday what she was going to do for her birthday. I know when her birthday is. Anyway, eating a hot run, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish. I'm not going to do shit with Tandaka. Shakara. The move family. I guess I can turn. Push it, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, it'll go fish, Push it, it'll go around it, Shakara. The family family. I need to go to the guy. Yanirukondi <laughs> Keisha, four Morgan McMillan and family. Thank 
Лайн Джимми Макалан Журандра, Госпешир, 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 Dave Rivera, Harander goes special, 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 goes special,
Okay, Shivani Namquist, Amanda, Susie Webb, Pearl Harper, Kevin Oldham, Colin Johnson. Okay. Yannick, I should go station, go station, go station, go station, go station, go station, go Randaka, Roshi Bosaraka, Yakara. Teresa Walker, I need to go to the Ganda, 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 go Patricia Arnold, I should go station to 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 Go 
Wayne Bridges, If you're talking, I can't hear anything you're saying.
You know, you can't hear anything with those things in your ear. You can't hear anything with those things in your ear. You just walk around the front. If y'all got here on time, y'all wouldn't have that problem.
Are you still doing your list? <laughs> I, I I can't understand uh, the words you're saying. to everybody else too? Yep. Okay. How you doing this morning? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. He's in the he's in the truck and he's driving with the windows down, so I'm thinking the wind is, is messing with it. Okay.
That's Layla Hathaway, Kevin Williams.
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. We're coming back at you one more time to remind you that the devil don't like it because you're blessed like that. Oh, come on. I know by now, you know you're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. Come on, stand on your feet all over this place. Let the world know that you're blessed like that. Somebody right now, in the midst of your battle, I come to encourage you wherever you are that the devil don't like you, no, because you're blessed like that. Come on, come on. Listen, somebody's going through a battle right now. You wonder why the devil's fighting you the way he is. We come to let you know that the devil don't like you, no, but you're blessed like that. But know this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, yeah. the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. We've come to let you know the devil don't like it, but you're blessed like that. Oh, the devil don't like it, come on. Oh, 
speak to see me today, I would tell them, look at me now. See what the Lord can do. Yeah, yeah. How did I look back over your life?
All right, all right, all right. Abby's back. Isn't that special? Uh. How y'all doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. That's good. Mm hmm. Okay. One of y'all want to open up in prayer? Sure. God, we come together to thank you for letting us be another glorious one of your magnificent created days. Lord, thank you for finding us worthy, as well as us coming together this morning to learn your word, to equip us to get better acquainted with you, to suck with you, and to help to know our inner spirit and the plans and 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 the journeys that you have for us. As we come together, we also lift up. Brother Sam Farley for being an obedient servant to take time out and get us to understand taking time out the importance of getting to know you better. As we go through this time and we all come together on one accord, again we give thanks as well as praise. You are awesome in all your ways, and you are the way. There is no other. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. Well, we're going to go back to spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that special? So get y'all get y'all papers and pens out, because, yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Coming out of chapter 2, it is imperative that a believer know he has a spirit, since, as we shall soon learn, every communication of God with man occurs there. Okay, right there. If we don't know we have a spirit, then when we're trying to pray or when we're praying or when we're trying to communicate with God, we don't understand how that happens. You know, a lot of people struggle in trying to pray. They don't really understand what, I mean, and first and foremost, understand that it's the Holy Spirit's job to teach you how to pray. But you might not even understand there's a triune God. Okay? So, again, all this is progressive revelation. So every communication with God comes in our spirit. So we need to understand that. When we're praying, we need to pray out of our spirit, not pray out of our head, not pray out of our flesh, but pray out of our our spirit. But only the Holy Spirit can teach you how to pray out of your spirit. All right. It is imperative that a believer know he has a spirit. Since, as we shall soon learn, every communication of God with man occurs there. If the believer does not discern his own spirit, he is invariably is ignorant of how to commune with God in the spirit. He easily substitutes the thoughts 
or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit. Thus he confines himself to the outer realm, unable ever to reach the spiritual realm. <laughs> yeah. If the believer does not discern, so in other words, if the believer does not discern, if he does not come to realize, how do I discern that I have a spirit? Okay, God, first of all, understand this. God wants you to know this. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. God's not holding anything back from you. And I say it like that. In other words, everybody has the potential to do this. It ain't God ain't a respect a person. We're designed that way. We're, if we're walking in ignorance and we're not, if we don't understand that we cannot draw close to God, God is not trying to keep us away from him. So God desires you to know this more than you, more than you desire to know it. I just want you to get, understand it from that perspective. If the believer does not discern his own spirit, he is invariably is ignorant of how to commune with God in the spirit. Okay, we all have to learn this. Now, the way you learn it might be different from the way that I learn it, but the principles and the spiritual laws are going to remain the same. Truth is truth. Well, I don't know how, I don't believe, I don't understand. But this is what happens. There's something in you that goes, huh, maybe begins you begin to question. Or there's something inside of you that says, there's got to be something better. Or you run across somebody or something and you look at them and you go, wow, it's something different. How do they do that? And see, it's something that's inside of you that's going to prick your spirit that's going to say that there's something else, there's something more. It's going to make you question. See, this is this is the processes, and we talk about this all the time on the line. These are the processes in which how you begin to grow in the spirit. These are the processes of how discernment begins to kick in. See, that's discernment right there. Something kicks in and goes, hmm, hmm, just makes you pause. Just makes you pause for a minute. Something's different. Something could be better. Something's out of order. Just like Lisa right now. She's starting to stop a lot when she's praying because she said, I'm beginning to hear a little different, and I want to hear what I need to say. See, that's growth. These are the processes that we're all going to go through one way or another. And the Holy Spirit, see, the Holy Spirit is your individual mentor. As you lead, as you allow him more and more to teach you, to grow you up, he begins to pour more and more in you. Okay, I'll just keep reading. How about that? If the believer does not discern his own spirit, he is invariably is ignorant of how to commune with God in the spirit. He easily substitutes the thoughts or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit. He easily substitutes the thoughts or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit. 
How can that occur? And he, now, later on in the book, he's going to really start to break this down. But how can that occur? Because they're similar, but they're different. The difference is the origin. See, see, it's the, the but you got to understand that. And again, God will teach you this. The difference is the origin. But what stimulates, what originates that, 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 that's, you know, is it coming from my soul? Is it coming from my spirit? Is it coming from my desires? Is it coming from revelation of God? See, revelation from God is totally different from interpretation by man. I'll just keep reading rather than going in. No, no, we need to go into this stuff because that's the purpose of me going back over this material again. Question. Does uh -oh. anybody know the differences of the soul and spirit? Uh, we're talking about how it can be similar, but how it's different. Does anybody know how, how, how to distinguish the two? Well, the soul connects with the body. The spirit does not. Correct. But how can you distinguish if something's coming from the soul or if something's coming from the spirit? Isn't that when you have to learn the voices? That's part of it. Anybody else feel free to jump in? <laughs> like, I want me swimming out here by myself. Okay. Throw us a lifeline. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read it again. It says, if the believer does not discern his own spirit, he is invariably is ignorant of how to commune with God in the spirit. He easily substitutes the thoughts or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit. How is it that we can easily substitute the thoughts or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit? How can that happen? Would that happen if you, if you, don't, if you don't recognize God's voice? That is definitely, that's definitely true. If okay. You're in the, if Go you're ahead. in the flesh, hmm? if you're in your flesh nature. Okay, but the thing is, we a lot of us are in our flesh, and we don't recognize that we're in our flesh. And see, that's that's part of the problem. Okay, I'm 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 gonna use this example, and I, I say it all the time. And actually, you're the perfect person for it because you say you got you're you're in a foul mood or the situation circumstance, and what's your scripture you always say that you confess or you read or you meditate on? What's that scripture? Well, that's not just so much when I'm in a foul mood. That's when when something. But anyway, the scripture is Proverbs three. I think it's either four and five or five and six. Trust in the Lord with all my heart, and do not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, acknowledge Him. And he will make my path straight. Okay, so now you do what you confess it, you meditate. What do you do with that scripture? Um, usually, it occurs if someone has done something to me, that, and I am, and I don't know the situation. I'm assuming something, um, and then I just, I'll just like say it, say it in my head, and um, I guess because I truly believe it. It, it brings me some peace. 
Okay. So now you were before you said that scripture, you you were unsettled. Mm-hmm. But then once you meditated upon that scripture, then you found peace. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is a perfect example. She's unsettled. She's she meditates on the word of God. She finds peace and now she can deal or even her thoughts or just just her state of being changes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, say you're frazzled. Who's gonna take I'm gonna take this. Your wife going? Well, y'all gonna have to go in the truck then. Uh-huh. Then y'all gonna have to go in the truck then. But I was planning on taking you. All right. Okay, so now you're frazzled or whatever. You come in and you take you some jazz music, you get you some oils, you're getting some things, and you just sit down in a room, and that just begins to calm your spirit, calm calm you down. Okay. Now, and you find peace. Mm-hmm. Well, on the original one, the peace that you found came from the Word of God because you fed your spirit, man. On the other one, the peace came from feeding your soul. That was not spiritual. You you put you some jazz music on. You might even have a glass of wine or whatever. You fed your soul you or even your flesh, and it calmed you down. Both of them, you came to a, pay, a, a point of peace. But the origin of them was different. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a difference between peace and relaxation? Mm, yes. Okay. Because when you talk about the, okay, when I when I get into the word, that gives me peace. And that's like instant. It doesn't matter where, I'm, where I am or what I'm doing or whatever because, since I have um, memorized that verse, I don't even have to have my Bible with me. I can just, you know, I can call on that whenever I need it. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's right there, okay, mm-hmm. with the wine and the, the music and the candles and, and all of that. You may not be in a position to do all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're at work and, and the manager is like, you know, working that nerve, Okay, you don't, you know, you're not in a position where you can go light some candles and, you know, drink some wine and play some music or whatever. And so um, when I think about that, I think about that being more, making me more relaxed than at peace. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what? Now, let's take that even, let's take that same scenario, though. What if, you, okay, like I'm not in a position to do that, but I go find somewhere and sit down and I focus on that. On what, the wine and the music? Right. So you take your whole, and you just, like, take yourself and put yourself in that environment. (coughs) Yeah, but see, by the time I'd done all of that, I could have said my verse. Wait a minute, wait. But, no, I understand that, but I'm saying that because, see, this is what the world does. Oh, okay. Okay, and, and see, that's what I'm talking about. See, and they think they're doing something spiritual. Okay, and that's what we're trying to get to differentiate between spiritual and solical. And see, this is why we need. This is why we have to understand it. See, when you're feeding, what you did when you said the word of God, you were feeding your spirit. 
But when you go somewhere and say, okay, I can't, I can't do the wine and the music, but I can go find myself a quiet place and focus on that and think about that. See, then you're, 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 you're taking yourself from your soulish perspective. You're still finding peace, but it's coming from your soul. Because you're putting yourself in that environment. You're focusing on, on being calm and candle. You're thinking about all that. So all that, both of them, again, this is how we find out these things are similar, but they're different because of the origin. Who's on the phone? I'm on the phone. Okay, I'm trying to call Bridget. Debbie. Bridget or Debbie? I've got Debbie. Says Bridget needs to know that her dad is ill. Bridget, no. You want me to call on my cell phone, ma? I I'll hang up and I'll call and then let you use this phone, okay? He's changing phones. Okay. Are y'all there? Yeah. Y'all there? Yeah. Can you hear us? Okay. So this is what I'm saying. So both of them, we find a sense of peace, but the origins, where they're coming from, are different. And that's how, so it's peace from the spirit or peace from the soul. And this is, you understand the similarities, but the differences. That's why we get, that's why we need discernment. That's why we need to understand how how we how we can mix the two up. Say that again. We both find a sense of peace, a place of peace, but one is emanating from the spiritual nature and one is emanating from the solical nature. Do you see the difference? Do you see the similarities, and do you see the differences? I think similarities also see the difference. What did someone say? I see the similarities, and I also see the difference. Because when you go in... For the meditation of your own, it's going into that spirit. It's going into that high that's lifting you up to your spiritual or awaken it help to awaken your spiritual. For the other one, where you're getting the music and the wine, okay, that's working more in the physical. But then too, you can also get somebody that might wanna. They feel stressed out and they want to go to their little meditation place. They may go get a joint in order to take in order to take them to that next level, which they think is their spiritual. 
But this, this is the exact reason why we have to understand spirit, soul, and body. We have to understand mm-hmm. what we're feeding and how they operate so that we don't get caught up in thinking that our spirit is leading us when it's really not. And, and, and see, that, that's, that's, why we're, that's why we're going over this again so that we can come to some clarity, so that we can come to the understanding. Because, it, it, it's again, we can find peace. But if it's not emanating from God, then it's got to be emanating from some other source, and it's not the peace of God. And see, that's why I say for me, the 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 music in that it relaxes me. I can't necessarily say it doesn't give me the the inner peace. Ah, oh, wait a minute, hold up. You just said something. Okay, now you just said inner peace. Now well, let's break that down. Okay. Okay. So what, what would be a difference of inner peace and peace? Peace, peace of mind, inner peace, let's, let's break that down. Well, I guess the, the, the inner peace would, would be is, is that feeling that I get when I, um, when I re- you know, when I recite that verse, those two verses. You know, I, I feel that, you know, it's almost like it's, it's, it's a strong feeling. You know, I, I feel that like in my, in my core. Um, but when I'm, you know, when I sit back and I got the music going and, you know, drinking a glass of wine and got the scented candles and that type of thing, I don't know. I guess that's kind of like more for my body. Okay. It doesn't it, it's not the same feeling. It's not the same feeling. Okay. Okay. And, and, okay. And uh, great. I, I'm great because we're hitting on something. Because what you as you were talking, it made me think about when we're doing that. Let's take when we're doing that. The wine and say nothing. We're just chilling and relaxing. Like you said, it's more for the body. More it's just kind of break away from things. And it's built upon that environment or that scenario. And when that's taken away from me, then so is that move. So is that whole, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm back to where I was at. I might have mm-hmm. pulled it down a few notches or whatever. But it's built upon that. But now when, I'm, when I find my peace upon the word of God, then despite what's all going on, because nine times out of ten, you're still in the midst of the tumultuous situation. Mm-hmm. But because you have built it upon that your your peace came from emanating from the word of God, you're still able to endure and press on even though all hell is going on around you. So so that's that's a very important thing because on one, your peace is built upon God and his word. On the other, your peace is built upon that environment or or that scenario, so one is temporary and one is not. Mhm. I would agree. Okay. I'm going to keep reading. 
It says if the believer does not if the believer does not discern his own spirit, he invariably is ignorant of how to commune with God in the spirit. Substitute the thoughts or emotions of the soul for the works of the spirit. Thus he confines himself to the outer realm, unable ever to reach the spiritual realm. The outer realm will be the body. The outer realm will be the soul. The inner realm is the spirit. Now, if you all want some paper and pen, I got some verses for you. 1 Corinthians 2 and 11 speaks of the spirit of man which is in him. 1 Corinthians 5 and 4 mentions my spirit. Okay, the first one is 1 Corinthians 2 and 11? Yes. Okay. That speaks of the spirit of man which is in him. 1 Corinthians 5 and 4 mentions my spirit. Romans 8.16 says our spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14 uses my spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 and 32 tells of the spirit of the prophets. Proverbs 25 and 28 refers to his own spirit. Hebrews 12 and 23 records the spirit of just man. Zechariah 12 and 1. Can you please slow down? <laughs> okay. I'm going to go over it again anyway. But I'll, 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 this is the last one. 12 and 1 states that the Lord formed the spirit of man within him. I'm going to go over it again. First, First Corinthians 2 and 11 First Corinthians 5 and 4 Romans 8 and 16 First Corinthians 14 and 14 1 Corinthians 14 and 32. Proverbs 25 and 28. Hebrews 12 and 23. Zechariah 12 and 1. It says, the above scripture verses sufficiently prove that we human beings do possess a human spirit. The spirit is not synonymous with our soul, nor is it the same as the Holy Spirit. We worship God in the spirit. According to the teaching of the Bible and the experience of believers, the human spirit can be said to comprise three parts, or to put it another way, one can say it has three main functions. These are conscience, intuition, and communion. I'm 
I'm going to go over that again. According to the teachings of the Bible and the experience of believers, the human spirit can be said to comprise three parts. Why would that be important according to the teaching of the Bible and the experience of believers? To know that it's of God and not of man. You hear me? Yeah, I said, what's the importance of having experience with the Word of God? What's the what's the what's the importance of what now? Having an experience with the Word of God. What's the importance of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that um, that's that's hard to put into words. Um. It's one of the. It, it, it seems like like that should be self-explanatory, but I'm having a hard time explaining it. Okay, well, explain exactly how you feel. What's on your mind? I don't know. It sounds. It almost sounds like like what's the importance of breathing? You know, um, what's the importance of eating? I mean, you know, it 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 gives you life. It it um why do, why do you say it gives you life um it it's it's necessary maybe that's what it you know i mean it's necessary for well not cuz i guess you know well, for those who don't believe and who don't know they're still living um let me ask you this this how did you come to the conclusion that it is necessary? <laughs> I well, I'm I was I was in a place of of hell on earth, um, and I guess that phrase, you know, when you hit rock bottom, you find that God is the rock at the bottom, um, and just. Even though my circumstances haven't exactly turned around, but my um, my mindset, my my um, hmm, my 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 peace came into existence. Then, I mean, because I'm still going through a lot of the same things, but um, it it doesn't always have the same same effect on me like and it did why, before. Why does it not have the same effect on you? Because I've gotten more into the word of God and and seeking him um you know, especially you know, trying to do it on a regular basis but definitely doing it when when I start to feel like overwhelmed. That's your experience. See and, and see that's that's where see reading the Bible is one thing, but when you start to eat it, meditate it because you need it, or you find that it's giving you something or it's changing, it, that's your experience. 
and, and, and that's what I'm saying. That's why it's important that you have it, because other than that, the Bible is going to just be another book. And I, and I, can, why, I can see that. Hold on one second. Okay. So that's what I need you to see. It's important that you have an experience with the word. Because see that that that's that, that makes so much big of a difference. You know, case in point, I you know, you all speak in tongues. You you haven't had you've had occasional visits or moments, but you haven't really done it a lot. So, but you do see differences. So, you haven't really really experienced it. So, when you read about speaking in tongues, your understanding is limited because you can only see from what your mind is showing you. But once you have experienced it. Now the Holy Spirit can begin to reveal a lot more in-depth knowledge, wisdom, and understanding because now there's an experience that goes along with your knowledge. And all that, I mean, that was powerful. It just all came out of me like that. But, <laughs> I mean, but can you see what I'm talking about? I mean, because, see, you, when I talk to you and Lisa about please speaking the tongue, I see the hesitance, this, that, and the other and you're trying to get there, and, and I can kind of see, you know, because you haven't really experienced it like that. But once you experience it, then you go back and you read it again. I'm ready. Okay. Now it's like a whole nother level, like, oh, I see that, I see. So that's the importance of experiencing the Word of God. When he when he's talking about spirit, soul, body, and see that's how the Holy Spirit will grow you up in that thing. I'm gonna read a little bit more, and then I gotta get out of here. Okay. So the above scripture verses sufficiently prove that we be human beings do possess a human spirit. The spirit is not synonymous with our soul, nor is it the same as the Holy Spirit. We worship God in the spirit. See, that's what you got to understand, too. You got to understand that you worship God in your spirit. Again, all this is progressive revelation. All this is God thinks that God grows us up. You know, that's that's how you, you know, because a lot of people pray, they don't even, they think they're wasting the time, and they might be. But, again, it comes from knowledge and growing. And so all of this just takes time, and God's got to train you and teach you. According to the teaching of the Bible and the experience of the believers, the human spirit can be said to comprise three parts, or to put it another way, one can say it has three main functions. These are conscience, intuition, and communion. 
The conscience is the discerning organ which distinguishes right and wrong, not, however, through the influence of knowledge stored in the mind, but rather by spontaneous direct judgment. Okay? Conscience is the discerning organ which distinguishes between right and wrong, not, however, through the influence of knowledge stored in the mind, but rather by spontaneous direct judgment. Often, reasoning would justify things which our conscious judges. The work of the conscious is independent and direct. It does not bend to outside opinion. If man should do wrong, it will raise his voice of accusation. That's the conscience. Intuition is a sensing organ of the human spirit. It is so diametrically different from physical senses and solical senses that it is called intuition. Intuition involves a direct sensing independent of any outside influence. Now, notice on all these things how he's coming by conscience, intuition. He's going to get into communion. All of these are internal compared to outside. That's one of the main ways that you distinguish where something's emanating from. Is it emanating from the outside and it's going to change me, or is it emanating from the inside and it's going to change? So that's one of the main ways you can discern, is this coming from my conscience or is this coming from my spirit, or my spirit is it coming from my soul? Intuition is a sensing organ of the human spirit. It is so diametrically different from physical sense and solical sense that it is called intuition. Intuition involves a direct sensing independent of any outside influence. That knowledge which comes to us without any help from the mind, emotion, or volition comes intuitively. We really know through our intuition. Our mind really helps us understand. So we know something in our intuition, but our mind helps us understand. That's why sometimes, okay, it's okay when I talk to you all about speaking in tongues, and I'm particularly Lisa and Pam, there's something in you that says, yeah, but your mind still is trying to figure it out. It ain't quite made the whole connection from my spirit to our mind. But, it, yeah, I can kind of see, I know, but I'm still struggling. Yeah, our mind helps us to figure out, but our, in our spirit, our spirit receives it, and it's like, yes. The knowledge which comes to us without any help from the mind, emotional volition comes intuitively. We really know through our intuition, our mind merely helps us to understand. The revelations of God and the movements of the Holy Spirit are known to believers through his intuition. A believer, therefore, must heed these two elements, the voice of conscience and the teaching of intuition. Communion is worshiping God. The organs of the soul are incompetent to worship God. God is not apprehended by our thoughts, feelings, or intentions, but he can only be known directly by our spirits. Our worship of God and God's communications with us are directly in the spirit. They take place in the inner man, not in the soul or the outward man. We can conclude, then, that these three elements of conscience, intuition, and communion are deeply interrelated and function coordinated. The relationship between conscience 
and intuition is that conscience judges according to intuition. It condemns our conduct which does not follow the directions given by intuition. Intuition is related to communion or worship in that God is known by man intuitively or reveal his will to man in intuition. No measure of expectation or deduction gives us the following knowledge of God. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to stay on the phone, but I'm going to stop the lesson there because that's enough to chew on anyway. Uh, I'm going on mute for a minute. Y'all talk. Okay. Was that Erica that was going to say something earlier? No, I was going to say something earlier. Okay. But it was it, it, it was just down to the point of um, pretty much what you and Sam had said. It's down to the point of you experiencing it for yourself. Because to hear somebody else go through it, okay, it may get your attention. But then, too, just like when Lisa had um, prayed for somebody and it really took a lot out of her, she was going to experience it. Only she can pretty much explain how it felt and how it um, touched her. So it's more than words. Now you see it, now you see it in action. Can we take another Out of that, she does have a definite relationship that's developing. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hello. I didn't want to just be lurking in the background like we used to say, lurking. <laughs> <laughs> you bring your chair front, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I missed I missed most of the reading, um, but I I did you know I caught the last part about speaking in tongues and and you know and and um, and what I, I've noticed is is that sometimes um, just like prayer, um, the speaking in tongues is basically for us. I mean, unless you're doing a unless you're doing a you know the prophecy in tongues or something like that, where you need an interpreter. But the speaking in tongues is basically for us, for us to basically 
reconnect our spirit, soul, and body. It it makes you do that all minds clear kind of thing. I go back to you know like when you look at when you look at like um, a Buddhist chant. You know, I told my daughter a long time ago in, in, in joking, but I was serious too. You know, a Buddhist chant sounds like it's speaking in tongues. You know, you know what what's love got to do with it? Tina Turner was like, from your whole ring can't kill, that type thing. It's mm-hmm. you're speaking in tongues. It's, it's, it's reconnecting your, it's basically clearing your mind to the spiritual things of God. So as you're speaking in tongues, you're able to hear God clearer. It speaking in tongues takes your mind off of whatever worry you have. It takes your mind from being in the flesh and in your feelings, and it, and it reconnects you back to the spiritual side of who you are. Because now you're you, you, when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking in the spirit. You're not speaking in the flesh. And and I notice like when I I notice the difference now even more so. I mean I don't I don't go in as much as Sam has told me, but I go in more than I used to. And you know, and the whole speaking in tongues thing is it's a it's a it's a strengthening of your spiritual connection because now you you're focusing on God. You're focusing on hearing him, and you're focusing on letting him hear you in a whole other way. And I look at how Sam can go in and out of it, and when he, like when he speaks in tongues, if you notice, he he automatically can connect to the spirit, and he hears a lot of stuff that he's praised to us for. With us for he hits it right on the head. That's where the spiritual connection is is needed. But if we're constantly trying to pray vocally in words in the in the flesh, we're trying to be eloquent and 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 you know and finding the right thing to say and the right way to say it and you know. And it's like, no, sometimes you got to get a little grungy in your prayer. And that's where spirit, you know, speaking in the spirit does. It takes you from trying to be, you know, use the big long words and, the, you know, the flourish and vows and the deeds and really connecting and saying, you know what, and then you're, when you start praying vocally after you pray in the spirit, your prayer is even more focused. You know, so... That's that's I just wanted to share. Okay. Anyone else have something? Thank you, Felicia. Thank you. 
Okay, I'm back. I was listening to you all. I mean, and that's important as we're going back over these lessons again, distinguishing spirit, soul, and body, distinguishing how they operate, distinguishing the differences. I mean, that's perfect thing. Like we talked about the scenario of the wine and then the music and chilling out compared to, the, you know, Pam, you know, speaking that verse. You know, so if we begin to get an understanding of how how our spirit works, how our soul works, how our body works, then we can flow with it better. We won't be confused. We won't fight. We, you know, you know. So just that—that's what we're doing as we're talking about this and breaking this thing down. We're going over it again and again and again, and and and, and like I said, perfect thing. Your 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 spirit is going to resonate. Truth is going to resonate. It's just the nature of it, you know, spirit to spirit. But it's our mind that's trying to figure this out or trying to just relate or whatever. And so that's what takes time. And so as we're going over this again and again and again, you're growing, you're increasing, you're seeing it clearer, you're understanding more, and it's getting rid of the garbage. Because, see, the garbage is what's blocking us from flowing with the Holy Spirit. I didn't say touch it. I didn't say speaking, I said flowing with the Holy Spirit. And when you can do that, then you'll stay connected, or you can just reconnect. Like Pam said, you know, she'll be in a scenario, why, why, why I, gotta, I don't have the time to do the whining that now that I can just meditate on the Word of God. See, and that's what you need to be able to do. You need to be able to just go by that. See, first of all, recognize this, and that's the point of having an experience. There's power in his Word. Mm-hmm. There's power in his word. God's word is alive. And see, until you experience that, you won't recognize that God's word is alive. Ain't no other books that we read that are alive unless they got the word of God in them. But until you experience that, you won't recognize it's just another book. It might make good sense, but it's still a book. But when you have an experience with the word and you recognize that God's word has power and God's word is power, then it'll help you to submit and help you realize, let me go to my source. Let me go tap in. Let me go get somewhere I can go to help. I don't need to, uh, you know, a think think good book. I need the word of God, and that's what's going to be the, you know, the the, the decision-making factor in my life. Or anybody else got anything? Bobby, you didn't go on once? <laughs> anybody got anything going twice? All right, you put up a question. Well, you can start with me. I'm start with you. Yep. Uh, 
And that's what God is desiring for you to have more experiences with him, Pam. You you got to have more experiences with him. So let me interpret that for you. And I you know, I ain't trying but your fe- your feathers gonna get ruffled a lot more. I ain't trying to, you know, but I'm just letting you know. Your feathers are going to get ruffled a lot more because it's going to be through those processes. You're going to run to the Word to get you some strength, peace, patience, or whatever it is you need, and you're going to have experiences with Him. That's the only way you're going to draw closer to Him and, and, and grow. So when your feathers get ruffled, recognize, okay, God's growing me up. And that's, that's, that's what we're doing. So grab the word, eat, meditate, whatever he directs you to do. But he's growing and increasing. Again, what it is saying in the word, in my distress, he enlarged me. So he's increasing you through the trials and tribulations of life. So this is a season of growth. Translation, this is a season of heartache and pain. <laughs> and I know you're going to hit me when you see it. So. Hey, man. You just too much enjoyment out of that. Hey, well, you know, look, Richard loves company. That's all I got to say. No, it don't. Yeah, it do. Don't, don't I believe that. Wait, I have somebody else to laugh at beside my sister to come by. When I'm miserable, last thing I want is company. Well, okay. I I just so much mean company to keep me company so far I can laugh. Oh, I'm too thoughtful. Yep. Somebody dropped a five dollar thing. Mm-hmm. All right, who's next? One prayer. Isaiah said he would like prayer, please. Oh, isn't that special? Sure. I guess he can hear me then, huh? Yes, sir. Hey, Ozaz, how you doing today, young man? Mm-hmm. That's good. <sighs> Father God, I don't pray for Isaiah. Anything in particular you want prayer for? No, just prayer. Okay. Father God, I'm gonna pray for Isaiah. She run to the ghost station, 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 Father God, there's a lot of seed in this man of God here. There's a lot of seed in his life, Lord. Protect that seed, Father. Some's not quite ready yet, ready to be planted, but protect the seed. Keep his heart. His heart is the soil in which the seed is planted. Keep his heart tender. 
keep his heart tender, Father, so that when it's time, you can plant that seed in good ground, Father. Cover him, Lord. Cover and keep him as you are growing him up, Father. Provide an environment of, hmm, hmm, wow. Provide an environment of fathers, mentors, men, godly men that will be able to influence and guide and direct him, Lord. He needs that bad. He needs that, Lord. Father God, mm, you can do it, Lord. You've done it in my life. I know you can do it in here, Lord. Give him those men that are needed that will be able to grab hold him. Where you going, boy? That will be able to love on him as a man. Mm, to rub house with him as a man. Give him that, Father God, so that he can grow up to be the man of God that you have called him to be. But this is a mighty warrior, Lord. Keep him protected, Father God, and safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Shout out to Fulfed. Shout out to God. Amen, amen, and amen. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to pray for his mother. Father God, continue to love on her and show her. Mm. <laughs> oh, show her when to be a father and when to back off. And when the proper man comes along that will mentor and touch his life, when to step out of the way. Guide your guide. She needs a village. She needs a village to help raise her family. Give her what is needed, but let her also discern who it is that you're sending her way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. My daughter told me the other day, about a week or two ago, she said something. Daddy, you know you got mother-like characteristics. I looked at what are you talking about. She said, certain things that you do, da-da-da-da, and this, that, and the other. And I'm just looking at her. And she even shows something on, a, on a, you know, all this phone stuff. See, look, Daddy. And she said, she showed us. And I said, yeah, I do that. And I laughed. But what really struck me is I remember when her mom had passed and the women of the church got around me and prayed for me to have mother with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, you know, yeah, I know I, I even now I recognize things that I'm hard. But for her to say that, that let me know that that prayer works. You know, so so there are things that you'll have father with. There are things that you just gonna back off and let him hit his head and learn. And you know, and like I said, there's gonna be men he's gonna send in his life to help him in that capacity because he needs a man. And you and you've been knowing that. 
But like you said, it's the right one because you don't want just anybody to grab hold of them. But God, God's sending what you need. And, and even in this case, specifically for his gifting, because there are going to be some that's going to have the same unique gifting that he has, and they'll be able to instruct him how to grow in it. Okay. Why don't you make a little smile across your face? Huh? I said, what I said, big old smile across your face. Because, I, because he he does have he has his uniqueness makes him stand out, and so for him to be able to see somebody that's just as unique as him mm. would be awesome, mm. you know. Mm. Or even be able to see to mm-hmm. not try to kill it, but nourish it, you know, would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah. So that's yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Sam. Praise God. Praise him. <clears throat> All right, who wants get who wants prayer next? You can pray for me, sir. No, this is the computer girl. Yes, sir. It would be I. How'd your meeting go yesterday? No. Mm hmm. Okay, moving right along, huh? Interesting, I must say. Still got a job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bless her. Yeah, we'll see. Amen. Well, let me press your food, dear. Patricia, I don't know. I should have gone straight. Should have gone straight. Should have gone straight. Hold on one second. Okay. Back to your crew. All right, let me pray for Patricia Arnold. Randy to go say she to go say she to go say she to go say she to go run the gun of 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 the Saka. Wally Horton, Hush to go say, she 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 to go run the Gosak. Hush to go say, she to go say, she to go say, she to run the Gosak. Saka. Thomas Lawrence, Wally Horton, Patricia Arnold. 
Shikira, Hundred Gun to the Gun to the Gun to the Goran to go say she 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 to go Trisha, Thomas, Wally, Ridge, Kira. Okay, Maria Matha, Shadow of Horror, she goes, 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 she Well, yeah. Just get ready. That trip's going to happen soon. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That's going to happen soon. Maybe even a day. Mm. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I know. You know, it's in... Mm, okay. You know, he called me early this morning, and you know when I said, you know when I answered the phone, I, you know, because I'm like, you know, I'm I'm trying to pace myself, you know, because I don't really know what he's gonna say. Right, right. And so typically it's been me just calling to get a status update. You know, because he's been so busy and consumed with going back and forth to the hospital. So this morning, you know, when the phone rang and then I saw, you know, the who the call was coming from, I was like, I don't know if I want to answer this. I was real hesitant to answer the phone. And even when I did, you know, it was like it was a, a, this little solemnness on the phone. I was like, okay. And the only thing I can say other than hello, you know, because he said hello, and I'm waiting for him to say something else, and he's not. And so I'm like, okay, so how are you? And he takes, it feels like eternity just to say okay. And so I'm waiting for him to tell me, you know, why he's calling because and nothing ever comes, and I'm um and so I don't know. I'm just I, I just have this ugh feeling in my stomach this morning, and I was just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Happy, happy, oh. joy, joy, yeah. Yeah. Can't you tell? Amen, Lord. I just have to prepare my mind because I don't. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's it right there. Okay. Let me pray for you, Miss Erica. Rumbo Shirikan, Rani to go say, she to go run to go under the gun to go run to go say, she 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 to go for Ranaka. Corumbo Shirikan, Sandy to go say, she to go say, she to go Raka. 
Harambrosi Didakosata, Harambrosi Dakasata. Y'all get out here. I'm going to park the car. And then I'll be, so I'll park. I'll be in. So get out before you get the water. You got it? Mm. Hold on to this, ma. Here's your purse. Father God, continue to strengthen her up, Father God, increasing her life. Increasing her heart, Father, as you provide knowledge, wisdom, revelation, understanding. And more, Father, I'm not going to say more than anything, Lord, but she needs peace. She needs peace, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, if we can just get that peace, mm. That'll help us to stand till we find out the next piece of the puzzle. Give us a piece that surpasses all understanding, Lord, as you are girding and keeping her, Lord, the courage to face yet another battle, the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, Lord, just to be used by you. And I'm even going to say, Father, anoint her life her mouth and her hands, Father, so she can lay hands and just the touch will cause a difference, Lord. Just the touch of your spirit, Lord, will flow mightily into those that she is around because you are using her in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, I got to go get them situated so somebody else can finish with prayer request. Boy, y'all going to have to wait till whenever I come back. So pick a choose. Ain't that nice?
Was there anyone else who wanted prayer? That's it. Renee? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so Father God, we come for Renee. We thank you for all that you have done in her life, all that you are doing, and all that you're going to do. And she continues to walk in her relationship with you. You said on the cross, it is finished. Now we just have to walk out the process in our in our individual lives. And so, Lord, as she walks out her process, continue to strengthen her in her spirit, soul, and body. As she works with her family, her grandkids, her job, just the day-to-day, Father God, help her to continue to learn life's lessons for her to be able to share and and give and give her um so and help to encourage others. And Father, we just thank you that as she continues in her walk, as she continues to keep her eyes on you, watch over her and keep her, watch over her grandchild and keep her, oh God. Because it's in the children and the seeds that we have sown in our in our in the younger generation that will sustain that your remnant will be here, O oh Lord, until the day that you come for all of us. But they are the ones who will continue to give us hope. They are our Joshua, they are our Caleb. They are they are the ones that help us to keep our eyes on you, you know, no matter what we see in front of us, we know that you're hope because of them being in the line. And so, Lord, we put a hatch of protection around her and her family and her seven degrees of separation for her good but for your glory so she, she can keep herself in the hope of you. And we thank you. In the name of your show, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anybody else who wants prayer? Oh, would you pray for LaShawn, Felicia? Sure. Okay. 
We're praying for LaShawn. Um, Lord, we're praying for LaShawn right now. Continue to strengthen her, Lord. Continue to strengthen her, Father. Continue to strengthen her, Father. Continue to strengthen her, Father. And her spirit, soul, and body. So that she can continue to walk uprightly before you. So that she can continue to walk in the call that you have put on her life. So she can continue to just put one foot in front of the other on this narrow path of living for you. And so, Lord, we ask that you will continue to watch over her spirit, watch over her mental state and her emotional state, Lord, so that whenever, uh, whenever, whatever situation or circumstance she's faced with, she knows to turn to you. She remembers to turn to you. And, Lord, we ask that you will continue to put touch her finances, and her relationships with her family, her friends. We ask, O Lord, that you will watch over and keep her as she goes to and fro. Help her to be able to discern as she goes to work and comes home from work. Let her be able to discern the the where she is. And as she walks or as she drives, and you put the unction in her to pray that she will do so so that you will get the glory, and it's for her good. And we thank you in advance for all that you are going to do with her and through her. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, yes, it does work. Um, I want to share the 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 um the encouraging words for today. Uh, it says, "Take every opportunity that presents itself to adjust and correct situations that have been difficult and wrong." Adjustments will open the way to move forward without hindrance. Says the Lord but you will have to deal with things that would be easier to ignore. Set yourself on a path of truth and righteousness. And um, they reference Proverbs 4 and 18, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. So we cannot ignore those things that God puts before us no matter how much we want to, no matter how, you know, we say to be, because it's so, it's so much easier to ignore than to face something, but we can do all things through Christ. Amen? Amen. Does anyone else have any um, prayer requests or comments that they'd like to share? Um. I asked Sam to to put her on the list um, earlier so that, you know, she can be lifted up every day. But if you would say an additional prayer for her, um, I would appreciate it. A classmate of mine, actually from high school and college, I just found out yesterday she's been diagnosed with ALS. Um, And so if you would uh, say a prayer for her, her name is Michelle. 
Michelle. Okay, hold on one second. Mm. Okay. Father God, we come for Michelle. For Michelle right now, Father. Um, there is a spirit of plague that is increasing in our in our world right now. And it's attacking our bodies on different levels. And so we come in for Michelle right now. She was she has been diagnosed with ALS. Lord, and it says <clears throat> you said we can name a thing. If we could name a thing, we could speak against that thing. And you gave us us the power and authority through Christ to do so. So, Lord, this plague is attacking muscles. This plague is attacking our internal organs. This plague attacks the spirit of plague is attacking everything. But now we come from Michelle, and it says that ALS means no no muscle nourishment. So right now, Father, we come and we speak to this disease, this plague that is attacking her body. We speak to the nerve cells that are being attacked, that they will be that they will fight against the attack of the enemy right now. We blood wash her with the transfusion of your blood, Father God, with the blood of Jesus. The the transfusion with the human it 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 is sometimes it's temporary, sometimes it's work, but we know that with the blood transfusion from your son, she can be completely healed because it's by his stripes, by the blood of the lamb, we are healed, we are set free and delivered. So by his blood, we we speak a spiritual blood transfusion right now into Michelle's body, that every nerve cell, every muscle, every tendon, every system within her body is blood washed and cleansed that it goes through with Holy Ghost fire and attacks every diseased cell, that it attacks every negative, anything attacking the muscles, anything attacking her marrow right now in the name of Yeshua. We come in again to bind the spirit of plague that is affecting her body right now, anything that's affecting her mind, anything affecting her brain, the stem cell, the spinal cord, we come right now, oh God, that it will be ceased, it will be desist, and it will be destroyed at the root, the cause of the Father God. Father, we ask that you will go in and you will give her the mind. Go into her right now, oh God, and speak to her spirit and tell her what she needs to do for her 
rejuvenation, for her regeneration, for her to be able to go back to the doctor and have the doctor confounded, Father God. We speak of supernatural healing that only you can manifest from the inside out. Go down to the molecule right now in her body in the name of Yeshua, oh God. And we speak of a healing that glows forth, oh God, that grows forth. And let her faith be restored. Where there is unbelief that it will not work, oh God, let it be let work in her unbelief and let her faith increase, oh God, so that she knows that it's by your strength she is healed. Let no doubt, let no let no no concerns of other people try to speak a negativity in her. Let their mouths be be cut off. Let them can't speak not a negative thing into her hearing, oh God. We ask that you watch over her gates, her ear gates and her eye gates that try to bring negativity that, oh my God, you're gonna you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that. Oh not speaking life. Only bring those who will speak life into her, into her hemisphere right now, oh God. Let no one come in crying, let no one come in looking at her like she's on her last leg, oh God, but only have those who see her in life, those who know you, who know that you are a healer, who know that you're a provider of good things and not bad, let them be the only ones that go into her into her hemisphere right now. For the next seven days, let nothing negative come into her life. And, Lord, just go through. Go through and sweep. Go through and, and replenish. Go through and regenerate as only you can. And, Lord, we just give you the glory and the praise because we know you can do it. We know you can do it, and we, as long as no negativity is sown into this into this session right here, oh God, and we cover it right now with the balm of Gilead. We cover it right now, and as you go in and burn everything out, you will you will you will make it so that your spirit stays in those places. That you will make it so that your spirit will take up all the empty spaces as your as you burn off this illness and this plague, oh God. And we thank you, and we praise you, and we glorify you in the name of Yeshua. We pray, Amen. 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 Thank you. Are there any other requests for prayers, any comments? I guess they want the Sam. Okay. All right. We come for the man of God that you gave the vision of this call to this time that we come together every day except for Saturday. And, Lord, we just thank you for him. We thank you for the, the time that you have allowed him to be able to come on the call, irregardless of what he needs to do, and that you still give him the time and the focus and the strength and the energy to come on every day and giving him the the ability to multitask and the ability to to just be um, humble and patient, um, even though he doesn't think he is, but being humble and patient with us and with with going through the process of this call as he gives himself out of it. So, Lord, we ask that you will 
replenish all that he has given out today. All that he is give, all that he will, all that he will be giving out today, with his parents and the and the doctor's visits and the work he has to do and whatever else he has on his plate today, Lord. If you need to slow down his time, slow down his time for today so he can complete and accomplish everything that needs to be completed and accomplished in this day. Give him this day his daily bread, Father God. So that he can that he can move and he can have peace and walk in peace and not chaos. And we ask the Lord that you will keep his mind clear, let him be cognizant and be able to discern wherever the enemy tries to jump in front of him. We ask that we speak uh, that no weapon formed against him shall prosper, no weapon of sickness, illness, disease, infection, or plague or allergy from bacteria, viruses, chemicals, fungal, man-made, or bug bite, nothing that him, his family, his friends, or seven degrees of separation shall eat, drink, or breathe, or touch, shall cause mental or physical harm. A thousand shall fall at his side and ten thousand at his right hand, but none shall come near where he dwells, his body, his car, his home, Wherever he is, oh, God, let it be blessed and protected on all sides. And we speak a hedge of protection around his spirit. Keep that Holy Ghost fire encamped around him, oh, God, so that he can walk in the authority and in the power that he needs to walk in so that he doesn't expend his energy, but he uses your power and authority so he does not do get weary and well-doing. And, Lord, we just thank you for all that you all the grace and mercy that you have applied in his life and that his example helps strengthen us and our walk with you as well. And we give you glory and honor that only you deserve for his good, for your glory. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. Is Erica still on the line? Erica. Okay, no. All right. Well, Miss Pam, would you mind praying us out? Okay. Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, we thank you for this call, for this this daily start that gets us going, that that that, mm, that gets our morning started with you, Father, where we can come and be fed spiritually, where we can just drop what's bothering us and turn it over to you, where we can ask the questions we need to ask, talk about the things that are going on in our lives without judgment, and ask for prayer and receive prayer. Where we can ask for prayer for people that the other people on the line don't even know and it doesn't matter. But I know that we are that we are touching other people because of this call. We are drawing people to us because there is an energy on this call. 
we know that, that miracles happen because we know that you have the final word. All the decisions end with you. And so despite what the doctors may say, you can turn that around in the blink of an eye. And that's why we come together on this line to pray and to have fellowship, to lift each other up. This is an awesome seed that has been planted, and it is growing and growing and growing. And it is branching out, and it is providing shade for so many others. Thank you, Father, for instilling this vision in Sam and for his obedience in following it through. Thank you, Father, for everyone who calls in on this line, whether it's on a regular basis or an occasional basis, whether they participate or they're just on hold, on mute. Father, I pray for their health and their wellness, spirit, soul, and body. I thank you, Father, for your unconditional love, for your mercy, and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right. If there's nothing else, everybody have a blessed day. Hear you in the morning. Okay. Okay. Stay stay cool today. Be careful. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Have a best day. Hello?
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.